it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not giving written testimony in front of the House right now regarding to his relationship with Hunter Biden. Hunter's a dirtbag. A lot of people feel that way. Devin Archer, his former business partner, a man who was declared an honorary Biden at one point given his ties to the family, now detailing the family's intercontinental shakedown operation led by Hunter and funneled over to Joe. He should be behind bars. A lot of people feel that way. We're going to get into some of them today at 888-788-9910 is the phone number if you want to be a part of the show. You don't have to disagree with me. I am not an activist. I am a talk show host. Everyone is welcome, regardless of how they feel. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. You could be a Libertarian. You could be a a, a member of the Whig Party. You could be a furry. You could identify as a dog. (coughs) Nobody cares. Okay? Be whatever you want. Just don't be a... There it is. Happy Monday, everybody. Good to be back in New York. We, of course, did our show Friday from the legendary studios of WHIO. Uh, Take a bow, Chris Hartley. Uh, My main man, Nick Roberts. You sure know how to treat a gal. Make her feel special. And you absolutely did. I'm going to well up just thinking about it. You got me all worked up, but it really was a first-class facility. As are all the Cox Studios we visited, KRMG down in Tulsa. Uh, we may get down to DBO and see my man Keith Mamoli at some point, if we can get him out of Hooters long enough to book a date. Uh, but in the meantime, I am back in New York with you, uh, sending one more bouquet of roses out to the fine folks of Ohio. If you were in the Grand Opera House in St. Mary's, Ohio, this past weekend, yo. <laughs> Just a home run night, man. Uh, Sold out crowd, really rowdy. Uh, The nice thing about the St. Mary's crowd is the people in the audience didn't drink at all. (laughs) Yo, (laughs) there were some some alcohol issues in that crowd. There were people flat out pouring their cologne through a slice of bread after the show to filter out even more alcohol. I love that's a good rowdy town. And I say this all the time about going on the road. Uh, the Midwest, the best place is to tell jokes. Nobody gets offended by anything. They know the difference between a joke and a hate crime. And if they didn't going in, they definitely did coming out because we threw the fastball. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Is he ever? So a shout out to the fine folks of Ohio, including, um, by the way, Jenny's parents, Dave and Judy, who Friday night, I, I have to tell you, probably the best meal I've eaten in the last 10 years. Friday night, we're out, you know, on the farm. Jenny's dad is growing fresh veggies now. And it's just a front for his weed operation. Let's not kid ourselves. But uh, we had some fresh corn. It was, like, outrageously good. You ever eat corn that's better without the butter? Like, it's not every day. You get corn here on the East Coast, you know. It was grown in a field with some meth and God knows what else they're trafficking <laughs> illicitly. Uh, it was actually just really good. It was a steak night. 
And uh, we ate everything, and I enjoyed it. And, of course, it's really resonating with me emotionally. Why? Because now I'm back in TV land where they have the guy following me around to smack the food out of my hand so I don't look too fat on camera. Put that cookie down now! Devin Archer is the man's name. He was not doing any traveling this weekend. Uh, Although, when he was en route to testify today in Washington, D.C., he received a letter from the DOJ ordering him to turn himself in before he could testify. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? This is a crazy one, man. Because this is the Justice Department equivalent of, like, the mafia trying to kill a witness. Okay, the story with Devin Archer is this, okay? He's a former business partner, a longtime business partner of the Bidens, okay? Been to all the family events, been to all the family compounds, played uh, several rounds of golf with Joe Biden, something we know to be true. Why? Because there are pictures of them hanging out and playing golf. Back when Joe Biden, if you remember, was Barack Obama's vice president. Biden served for eight years alongside Barack Obama. I don't remember that ever happening. But the rest of us do. And we have proof that it did. And it's immortalized through photographs and videos and everything in between. And you understand that very picture of Devin Archer is where the problem started for the Biden, you know, shenanigans when it came to whether or not Joe was involved with Hunter's business and anything like that. Because Biden once famously said, what, I've never talked to my son about his business dealings. You're alive. Not only did he talk to his son, but he met with his son's partners. Okay, 84 different times his son's business partners visited the White House when Joe Biden was vice president. Okay, we've seen the emails. Okay, we have seen, you know, face-to-face testimony from Tony Bobulinski, Hunter's former business partner. Okay, and we now have this behind-the-scenes written testimony from Devin Archer, both of whom state that Joe Biden was getting a cut of the money. Are you the big man, Joe? So this is one of those days where the DOJ trying to stop him is more proof that what he has to say is legitimately damaging to the Bidens. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. Understand, if he's not saying anything of value, if he's not saying anything incriminating— then they're basically like, yeah, have at it, dude. We don't care what you say. Fellas, like, this is a life tip. It's the difference between your woman picking up your phone and your woman going to pick up your phone and you literally, like, tackle her out of, to the ground, out of her hands, like you're the 1986 Lawrence Taylor hopped up on the cocaine. Do you remember that, Lawrence Taylor? My favorite football player of all time is Lawrence Taylor. But I hated going to the games because sometimes you couldn't tell down and distance because he had snorted the 40-yard line. Like, is that a first down? We don't know. Thanks, Lawrence! But you didn't complain too much because he went out and sacked the quarterback within an inch of his life on the next down, so you forgave him as a Giant fan. Okay, Hunter Biden with similar cocaine proclivities, uh, but the only people seeming to get sacked by this are the integrity of the American government. Okay, this is a dude who violated FARA laws. He fed just fail, failed, I will say it in English. I will. I can do it. Do you speak in English? I'm going to prove it right here. Uh, he failed to register as a foreign agent and was lobbying our government on behalf of other governments around the world, other entities based in other countries at a time when his father was the sitting vice president of the United States. That's not right. It's not right, and it's not legal. And understand, this plea deal that got thrown out last week was supposed to wrap all of this up and make it off limits. That was the whole point of the plea deal. 
is that Hunter was going to play to tax evasion and violating a federal gun law in return, get no jail time, which is something that would never be afforded to you or I. But there was a paragraph in his plea deal that also absolved him of any future charges for unrelated crimes. Has anyone listening ever, ever in the history of your life heard of a plea deal for crimes that in addition exonerated you of future crimes? The answer would be no. No, that in itself should be a crime. It was a shenanigan. Okay, but it was their way of running out the clock on what clearly seems to look like an influence peddling scheme by the Bidens. And when you hear Devin Archer is going to put a name and a face, these are not anonymous whistleblowers like the Russian collusion story. It was made up by these sick people. Whatever it was, okay, it turned out to be a fabrication by the Clinton campaign to create a counter narrative to her private email server. Hillary was getting smoked in the summer of 2016 for mishandling classified information. She essentially looked around the room and was like, this is not okay." And what did she do? They went out and they paid for the Steele dossier, which was completely unsubstantiated, so much so that the FBI themselves couldn't get their informant to corroborate any of it for a million dollars. They offered a million dollars. Hey, can you give us a piece of evidence that we can prove is true? And what did the star informant say? The answer would be no. The answer would be no. But what did the Clinton campaign do? They leaked it to the FBI. And the same FBI who knew of its existence and knew it wasn't true gave it to the public anyway. That's just how white folks will do you. And that's how they did us. So you understand there's been a two-tiered standard of justice, system of justice in play when it comes to Trump and Democrats and everybody in between. And I don't make that point as like a Republican. I don't care. I'm a 46-year-old man who plays video games. Like my party is America. I want the country to do well. And you understand when this becomes the standard of doing things, one political party gets the breaks, it comes at the expense of all of us because in the end we have a justice system that nobody trusts. And when you don't trust the justice system, the people you know assigned, tasked, and empowered to hold our society together, it becomes increasingly harder for them to do so. Do you understand the DOJ has made their own lives harder in the process? But here is James Comer talking about a letter that was sent out on Saturday. Now understand this, man. Okay, they don't work on Saturdays. That's like a, it's a thing. You understand? The DOJ on a Saturday is like a Chick Fil A on a Sunday. Okay, if you see them open, something's going on. They're being run by somebody, not the traditional agents. Okay, but here's James Comer speaking to a letter that heads out to Devin Archer, saying, "Yeah, you know, you might want to surrender and be arrested before you can testify on Monday." Clip one. It's odd that it was issued on a Saturday, and it's odd that it's right before he's scheduled to come in to uh, have an opportunity to speak in front of the House Oversight Committee and tell the American people the truth about what really went on with Burisma. So, you know, I don't know if this is a coincidence, Maria, or this is another example of the weaponization of the Department of Justice. So think about that. It's a really weird coincidence that something like that would go out on a Saturday before a guy is expected to testify on a Monday, upending everything we've been told about the Biden family's relationship with Burisma. It would very much appear that some kind of a fix was in play. Now, you wouldn't know that, okay, if you were watching the media over the weekend. The media is a bunch of losers. But to be clear, it wasn't just the media. It was some of their allies within the Democratic Party. Democrats are so full of crap. Listen to this one, clip two. I think... 
McCarthy may open an impeachment inquiry because he thinks it will let off the steam with the crazies in this conference. I think this is a, a witch hunt. If you know, Hunter Biden has broken the law, he should be held accountable for it. I don't think he's being treated any differently than anyone else who's been accused of the crimes that he's been accused of. They've come forward with not one shred of evidence um, tying President Biden to any of this. House Republicans are going to accuse him. They are. They're going to make the accusation. They're going to accuse him of all sorts of stuff. they have the evidence or not. Something, man, seriously. You listen to that clip? I'm surrounded by idiots. A thousand percent. Because when they say, oh, there's no proof. There's no document. There's no anything. Okay, listen, we have bank records. We have over 150 suspicious activity reports, okay, that show the Biden family was funneling money from overseas entities through 15 different shell companies before depositing in the bank accounts of their grandchildren. Just between you and me, have you ever been involved in a legal uh, back and forth, some type of transaction that ended with, all right, well, I, you know, I owe you the money for that. So do me a favor. If you could just send the money through 15 different shell companies <laughs> and ultimately deposit it in my grandkids' account, I'd appreciate it. Does any legitimate business operate that way? No. Never mind that all 15 of Hunter Biden's companies had no declared purpose. It wasn't like one was a dog groomer. One was a landscaper, one was a lawyer, one installed air conditioning. Nothing. These were just companies. They had weird names, but they didn't actually have purposes other than to function as shell entities they could redistribute money through and ultimately launder it back to the Biden family so there was not the appearance that Joe Biden himself was directly getting paid. Okay, but the biggest proof we have is that Joe Biden lied about everything. He lied when he sent Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. That's true. That is true. Now know it's real. The Justice Department admits so. He lied when he said he didn't know what type of business his son was in. That's true. That is true. We know that because name witnesses have come forward. We've read emails with his name on it. Okay, and I guarantee you for a fact, if the DOJ is trying to stop testimony, it's because the biggest lie of all is the fact that he didn't make money off it. White House girls send Biden to bed early Because he's really old and he's senile He makes up so much crap the country's worried He's lying like it's going out of style You can't hide Joe Biden's lies For a while they made some he tried I thought by now they'd realize There ain't no way to hide Joe Biden's lies From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing on a Monday. Uh, 888-788-9910 if you want a piece of the action. Also, the phone number if you don't want a piece of the action and you just want to tell me why. You're just another dirtbag. I don't doubt it, uh, but this dirtbag is back in New York for the full week. Uh, you'll see me on Gutfeld tomorrow night. I'll be on with Sean Hannity Thursday night, uh, Laura Ingram Friday that's my primetime schedule along the way. You'll see me on Fox and Friends a couple of times. Fox and Friends first. And Lord knows what else. But there's a lot going on. Uh, nothing crazier, though, than what's been happening over in the Biden family. So Chris Coons uh, is a human shield for Joe Biden. And he went on CNN yesterday with a straight face. He sits down on CNN. CNN is the worst. But he says the following. OK. He says there's no evidence tying Biden to Hunter Biden's business. That is a fact check false. But to be clear, he says, no, Joe is good here, dude. There's no, it's nothing to do with Joe. Come on, don't bullshit me. That's exactly what he does. Clip six. There's been a five year investigation, five years by a Trump appointed U.S. attorney. Um, This investigation started during the Trump administration and they've come forward with not one shred of evidence um, tying President Biden to any of this. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Seriously, because he's just, I mean, straight lying. Okay, you understand, you're on CNN. You got hair and makeup. Like, you had enough time to think about what you were about to say. So he went on TV in front of, you know, millions of people. All right, it's CNN. He went on TV in front of a few hundred thousand people. The point is, somebody watched Chris Coons yesterday, and he had no problem after sitting in the hair chair and the makeup chair, looking the camera in the face and saying there is no evidence leaking Joe to Hunter. You're not telling me the truth. Okay, the only reason anyone is pursuing this at this late stage is because there is evidence. Okay, this isn't a deliverable to the American people. Impeaching Joe Biden or pursuing Hunter Biden is not going to pay a bill. It's not going to make a street safer. It's not going to close the, the, the border. At which point people might say, well, then why the hell are we doing it? It's because if the president of the United States is compromised, then we're all compromised. Sometimes you don't look into the party. Sometimes you don't worry about the election. Sometimes you worry about the country. I think he's got a point. Remember that? Well, it was a point. At one, at one, at one point, we're in a different world now where nobody cares about anything except themselves. And it's gross. reality with a bit of insanity it's fox across america with jimmy Fallon. and now great moments in presidential history the only thing we have to fear is fear itself mr gorbachev tear down this wall why the hell would i take a test come on man i am uh, i am very willing to let the american public judge my physical and mental fil- my physical as well as my mental fitness. Another great moment in presidential history here on Fox Across America. Over the weekend, uh, we got something that was hardly that. The Biden family finally acknowledging in a People magazine article the existence of their seventh grandchild. Okay, and this is something that they've been catching hell for. Why? Because the kid is four years old. Okay, it was Hunter's baby, 
He famously knocked up a stripper. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But the point is, for four years, they have battled to keep this child out of the family. They went to court and fought over this. And the Bidens, as recently as a week ago, were saying they only had six kids, six grandkids anyway, despite the reality that they had seven. Now on Friday, in an actual news dump, it's a summer Friday. No one's reading the news. They're all heading down to the beach or, you know, if you're one of my fans, probably heading down the cooks of meth. But the point is the Bidens snuck that into the news cycle. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. It's white trash. It really is. But stick with me, okay? because Joe Biden, not the only president making headlines, the Donald Trump stuff, as we now have a former Mar-a-Lago employee getting charged by the feds. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Well, it's essentially going on uh, because Chris Olivero, who was tight with Trump, seems to be the peg the feds are counting on to make any of these federal indictment charges stick when it comes to the mishandling of classified information. They're now trying to get a -a Mar-a-Lago worker who was close to Trump to testify against him and give these charges a little more merit than they currently have. Now, I don't know that we'll get there, but I do know the indictments. This is weird, but the indictments are really helping Trump. Let me read you some of this over the weekend. Okay, there's this New York Times Siena poll out that says Trump has extended his lead to 27 points over Ron DeSantis. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Okay, if the poll, uh, according to the poll, if the race was head-to-head, Trump would beat DeSantis by a two-to-one margin, which means if you're sitting in the DeSantis camp and you raised the $150 bucks out of the gate, you're watching the lead get bigger. That can't be good. This comes at a time when Ed Rollins, Ed Rollins, former political strategist, goes all the way back to Reagan. Ed Rollins used to appear all the time on Lou Dobbs' show. Remember Dobbsy? He was one of the first guests on this show when it launched. The guy who was very supportive of my career. Lou, if you're listening, and I know you are, well, you're probably watching given how hunky I look in this blazer. But the point is, thank you, uh, and Mr. Rollins, who had a reputation as never pulling a punch when it came to political analysis, is a guy who formally owed his allegiance to Donald Trump, or at least declared it, but spent the 2024 cycle supporting Ron DeSantis. In fact, Ed Rollins was aligned with a PAC that uh, supported and raised money for Ron DeSantis. But now Ed Rollins, today on Twitter, took one good look at how DeSantis has functioned as a candidate and said, Get him out of here. Get him out. Listen, I'm not telling you it can't turn around, but DeSantis is not doing well, man. He looks like a Scott Walker, like a previous governor who rode into town and everybody said, oh, there's no way. Look at Jeb Bush. He's a former Florida governor. He can't lose. Wrong. Okay, DeSantis is doing some Jeb stuff right now, and uh, it is not looking pretty for Ronnie D. Okay, it is. In fact, it's looking quite the opposite. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. But understand this, okay? When you see Trump's support surging, it's not mainly because DeSantis sucks as a candidate. It's because nobody trusts the DOJ. There was a time in this country, a better time, where getting indicted by the feds would have been the ruination of your political career. The guy would have been indicted, at which point he would have just issued a statement saying he wanted to go spend more time with his family. 
Yeah, I got to spend time with the family. I've been busy. I've become a distraction. The American people and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work that way anymore. Trump getting indicted has only hardened his support because more people trust your former president than they do your current Department of Justice. They've seen the weaponization of justice. They saw the Hunter Biden plea deal. They saw the feds tell you that Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation when, in fact, we know the same feds who signed a letter, 51 former members of the Intel committee, community, signed a letter saying Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. This came a full year, a full year after the FBI had already corroborated that the Hunter Biden laptop was true. Bingo. So you understand this is all a scam. And when you see justice weaponized, it becomes hard to devalue Trump's currency for the sole fact that he's been targeted by this Department of Justice. You know who else has been targeted? Churchgoers who were infiltrated by the feds. Pro-life doctors who've had their homes raided in armed SWAT raids. Okay, people who weren't breaking any laws except the laws that are held up in the court of public opinion by this administration. So Trump getting indicted is hardening his support because people do realize, okay, we're making a choice in November of 2024 between what Thomas Jefferson described as the difference between liberty and tyranny. Thomas Jefferson famously said, when governments fear their people, there is liberty. When people fear their government, there is tyranny. Okay, right now, innocent people are being rounded up and arrested and prosecuted by their government. That sounds a lot more like tyranny than liberty. When you hear Devin Archer is going to give closed-door testimony, we're not even talking about a big swanky made-for-TV presentation where everybody's going to get a cute soundbite and it's going to be all over the news that night. This is a guy testifying behind closed doors. And the Department of Justice still tried arresting him over the weekend. Dude, do you know what a scam that is? Seriously. Okay. It is an absolute scam. And you have to call it out. The government's going to jump all over your head, Jimbo. Fine. But the reality is you can't back down because it's not just a threat to Devin Archer. It's a threat to every single one of us. So if you like, like, freedom of speech, okay, understand. That once they take away the language, if the speech ain't free, then you ain't free, girlfriend. That's why you got to keep your mouth open. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Well, if that's true, I can probably get a job modeling women's yoga pants. But stick with me, because when it comes to Trump, okay, the overall lead is now 54 to 17. 54 to 17. If this was a Little League game, we would mercy rule it tell the kids with the 17 that they tied and then we'd all go out to the bar <laughs> you were great snookums something about the way you lost by 37 just you come get the trophy mommy wants a little selfie on instagram hanging with my star athlete that's what we'd do it's a dumb time to be alive pence got three percent tim scott got three percent nikki haley got three percent vivek ramaswamy also uh oh two percent uh, which is also what Chris Christie got. Chris Christie got 2% of the vote. So at this point, those guys are running for president for the story. Dude, tell them about the time you ran for president, bro. No other reason. There's no reason for Chris Christie to be there. Oh, I, listen, I don't doubt that he likes going to Iowa and getting his hands on the fair food, but who doesn't? Okay, I'm not, you know, I'm no show pony over here. But the truth is, there's no reason for them to be in the race. But the problem DeSantis has is people keep telling you, well, you know, it's a fragmented field. We need to 
ra- rally our support, coalesce around one candidate, because that'll close the gap against Trump. That's what they keep telling you. But the truth is, if everyone in this race jumped out, everyone right now, everyone quit. So let's say Vivek drops out, Chris Christie drops out, Tim Scott drops out, Nick Haley drops out. I think there's 7,331 of them, so I'm not going to name all of them because running for president has become this year's ice bucket challenge. You do it, and then you challenge somebody else on social media to do it before you know we have 5 billion Republican candidates. But the point is Trump is sitting at 54 percent in the polls. So if everybody jumps out right now, he's still winning by eight points. When you're right, you're right, and you're right. Okay, and one of the reasons why is because he's become a symbol of something bigger than himself. Donald Trump, yes, says a lot of crazy stuff. He, I cannot co-sign most of it. In fact, I get on Twitter from time to time wondering if he says it on purpose. Like, remember in the old movie Bull Durham, where famous Crash Davis, played by Kevin Costner, tells the Timmy, uh, the Timothy Robbins character, Nuke Lelouch, he goes out to the mound and he's like, I want you to take the next pitch and hit the mascot. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, no, 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 hit the mascot on purpose. It'll make all the batters nervous. It'll get them, like, you know, uneasy. They'll be afraid to dig in with you. It'll get them out of sorts. Just hit the mascot. And sure, he hit the mascot. And it freaked people out. Sometimes I look at Trump's tweets, and I'm like, maybe he's trying to hit the mascot on purpose by saying something so crass and out to lunch. I don't know. But people were okay with it. Why? Because they weren't trying to elect a preacher. They were trying to elect a president who would fight back against what a lot of us saw as as vast, okay, government overreach, as a brazen weaponization of our justice system and a callous indifference to the plight of everyday Americans. You understand, okay, I wasn't a guy who watched Celebrity Apprentice. I don't care. I didn't watch it. I didn't hate Trump, but I didn't like Trump. I didn't like one way. I just didn't care. He was just a guy who was a celebrity who was crass. You know, he obviously had a storied history of dating supermodels. Hubba, hubba. Okay, fine. And I knew him as a a fabric of American life. Okay, he was a guy who the Clintons went to his wedding. He was a guy who went to Elton John's wedding. He was a regular guest on The View. Okay, he was a good friend of Barbara Walters. He was accepted in polite society. He used to go on the Howard Stern Show every week at a time when Howard is the king of all media. Now, of course, he whines so much, he's more like the Prince Harry of all media. But the fact remains, Trump was very much accepted in polite society. He was on NBC for 15 seasons. And they turned around and said, this guy is literally Hitler. Which begs the question, if Trump is literally Hitler, how is NBC with a straight face giving him 15 years worth of TV? Unless they're literally Goebbels. Now, we know they're not. We know Trump isn't. Okay, but that was the charade of the whole thing. Everybody had a reaction to Trump that was disproportional to what he really was. Yes, he's a guy who from time to time would get on Twitter or Truth Social and miss the strike zone. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. But he was never, you know, some racist, misogynist hate monger that was, you know, trying to lock up women and throw away minorities and, you know, take away the rights of everybody who didn't support him. Nor was he a guy that would get us into a war. Again, I don't need you to like the character of Donald Trump. But a guy getting on Twitter and saying crass things, however untoward that might be in the year 2023, is not nearly as toxic and dangerous for society as the fact that innocent civilians in this country are now targeted every day by the Department of Justice because they don't align with their political beliefs. 
Okay, do you understand people were banned from polite society, fired from their jobs if they didn't play along with a vaccine mandate that was based entirely on a lie? Okay, we were told you had to get the vaccine because it could not spread the virus. If you got vaccinated, you could not spread COVID. Not only could you spread it, but you could die from it as tens of thousands of people did. But they changed the narrative. Okay, after people started getting it and dying from it, what did they say? Well, I've gotten COVID, uh, but I just want to thank gosh I'm vaccinated. Because were I not vaccinated, it would have been so much worse. That was embarrassing. Yes, because they weren't declaring their allegiance to anything other than the tribal nature of our politics. Well, we're the pro-vaccine crowd, so we're going to dig in and just be pro-vaccine, no matter how many times we have to change the story. And understand, at that point, it wasn't their first plot twist because Joe and Kamala ran for office by bashing the vaccine that Trump was developing. Don't ever forget that. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. You got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus this is a safe vaccine. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country could look at it. Only if we knew all of what went into it. If Donald Trump can't give answers and the administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha ha! But do you understand the same Kamala? Donald Trump, dude, they mandated the vaccine. Did anything change between Trump and Biden as it pertains to the development of the vaccine? The answer would be no. No, it was Operation Warp Speed, engineered by the same pharmaceutical companies that made it a trillion dollars after they mandated it. But it was the same Democrats who were telling you that it was essentially the equivalent of Trump making it himself for political gain. Like it was the school science fair. And instead of Barron making the traditional uh, baking soda volcano, he was like, no, no, Barron, we're the Trumps. We're going to make a vaccine. Get upstairs. Not now, Melania. We're making a vaccine. That's the scam they went with. Okay, I understand Trump is supposed to be an expert on everything in his worldview, but he wasn't the guy making the vaccine. And the point is the transactional nature of the Democrats. First, Trump is a beloved celebrity who's at Hillary's at his wedding. He's at Elton John's wedding. He's all over the view. He spends 15 years on NBC. Then he's literally Hitler. The transactional nature of that kind of scam only makes the DOJ look dumber and Trump look smarter. So much so he could be doing an advice seminar at this point because more people trust him than anything. Introducing Ask Trump, the advice seminar from a man who's an expert on everything. Nobody knows the politicians better than I do. I know more about ISIS than the generals. Nobody knows more about campaign finance. Nobody knows much more about technology. Nobody knows more about environmental impact statements. I understand the tax laws better than almost anyone. 
He'll take your questions on everything from baseball deals. Nobody knows more about trade than me. To children's gifts. Nobody has better toys than I do. Ask Trump can improve your vocabulary. I know words. I have the best words. Audiences enjoy it so much it feels like a religious experience. Nobody loves the Bible more than I do. Ask Trump is so successful the critics are going nuclear. There's nobody that understands the horror of nuclear better than me. Ask Trump, the fastest growing advice seminar in the country. Because nobody's ever had crowds like Trump has had. Oh, girl, it is the high flying death to flying Fox across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We got a lot coming up in the next hour. Uh, this hour, kind of mediocre, I'm not going to lie, but we'll step it up. We're going to step it up. Things are going down in the next hour. You'll see. It's going to be bananas. Uh, we've got an update coming on this Devin Archer testimony, and Daniel Turner is going to weigh in on the rising cost of gas. Biden sucks. Going back up again. Why? Because of those green energy Democrats. They're crazy. This is basically what happened. You could enjoy, you could be, you know, in for the green energy thing. And we'll get into it in the next hour with Turner. But we're lying if we believe we can have the life, the creature comforts, you know, things like heat and food and cars without fossil fuels in the meantime. People would actually starve to death, freeze to death, okay? But there's this rip the Band-Aid off mentality driving the climate movement that's not actually tethered to any type of science or functionality. The only science they know is that if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Money, 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 money. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Boom, there it is, back in action, big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon, an audio safe space for cool people. We do not care who you vote for. We don't care what you're attracted to. I don't even say who. I say what. These days, there are some things going on on the Internet that, man, oh boy, oh man. What the hell did you just say? I didn't say anything. I just reminded myself to delete my search history. But in this hour, Daniel Turner, executive director of Power the Future is going to stop by the throw the challenge flag on the rising cost of gasoline, something that is only happening because of the people trying to regulate the industry that they themselves don't understand. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. 888-788-9910. If you'd like to discuss this or if you'd just like to start turning tricks to pay for gas, it's getting ugly out there uh, right now around the country and it has everything to do with the fact that this green energy push, however well-intended, I don't doubt there are people that want to save the world and blah, blah, blah. But the only thing that we know about it up until now, the only data we have to support climate change is the banking data of the people flying around the world in private jets telling everybody they need to cut emissions while they themselves are increasing them and then passing around a collection plate at the end of each gloom and doom speech. Please give us money. Okay, to be clear, I am not a guy that tells you how to vote. I am not a guy who tells you what to think. I'm just a guy who tells you the truth or at least gives you his honest opinion to the best that he can. And when it comes to climate change, understand this is a 30,000-foot view assessment of the situation. I am 46 years old. Okay, although I definitely look a hell of a whole lot younger with no shirt on. You're so dumb. 
You are really dumb. For real. I don't, I don't think I said better. I, think, <laughs> I would be a before model. I would be on the left side of the, of the diet. <laughs> the other guy, the guy on the right would be the guy they said was using the product. I'd be the guy that they were like, no, no, you turn it around. You and your overweight figure skater shirts that you wear on TV all the time. But stick with me, okay? When it comes to the climate, I have been following this narrative my whole life. Okay? Back in the 70s and 80s, we were supposedly going to freeze to death. That's what they told us. Oh, it's we've entered an age of cooling. We're all going to freeze. Please give us money. Nobody froze. Ten years came and went. And, you know, what? Did we hit the deadline? Did we freeze? The answer would be no. So what did it become? Well, actually, climate's heating up. We thought it was going to freeze. But then this heat wave came rolling in. It is so hot, we're all going to melt. Please give us money. And then nobody melted. Al Gore famously won an Oscar in 2003 for saying we had 10 years. The, do- the, do- the documentary was called An Inconvenient Truth. It was an inconvenient truth that we had 10 years to reverse global warming or the glaciers were going to melt, the polar bears were going to die, and we were going to drown too. <laughs> Okay. not only did that not happen, but during those intervening 10 years, Al Gore, who lectured all of you to reduce your energy consumption and shrink your carbon footprint, wound up being outed for having an electric bill that would make Las Vegas look Amish. But there was Al Gore being like, oh, you got to cut emissions. We're going to cook. We're going to melt. You are so full of so much so that in 2013, after we didn't melt this, of course, 20 years after we didn't freeze. They started telling us what? They started telling us, well, it's actually climate change. It's not that we're freezing. It's not that we're melting. It's that the weather's changing. All you got to do is look out the window. It's hot in July. We're like, well, it was always hot in July. I think he's got a point. Like, but no, we had a blizzard in February. You see the blizzard? It's a big blizzard. We're like, well, we always had him. I think he's got a point. Okay, yeah. And you want to know what the point is? Democrats are so full of crap. But because of this over-reliance in their administration on climate change, they're reconfiguring the lives of everyday people in ways that don't affect them. Like this push for electric cars doesn't affect anybody in Washington because they get driven around in motorcades, which, oh, by the way, are gas-powered. Have you ever turned on the TV and seen a presidential motorcade that was actually powered by electric vehicles? The answer would be no. How about just one vehicle out of the 200 in the fleet? The answer would be no. Weird. Remember last week when Hunter Biden testified, we were told by the White House he had a pri- he's a private citizen. This is not a matter that pertains to the White House. This is just the this is the goings on of a private citizen. Hunter Biden got a nine car motorcade to the courthouse. You ever seen a private citizen get a nine car motorcade? The answer would be no. Again, any of the cars gas powered or excuse me, electric powered? The answer would be no. The answer would be no. OK, none of the people that are pushing this stuff on you are following it. If you remember John Kerry famously outed on the Hill last uh, two weeks ago because of his reliance on private jet use. He's a guy that flies around the world saying, hey, you got to, you know, got to reduce your carbon footprint, global warming, planets on fire. Then the planet's also cold. The point is, we don't know what's going to happen. That's the problem with climate change. Okay, we've got this real housewives thing going on. One day they're taking a selfie. The next day they're throwing a glass of wine at each other. We just don't know what Mother Nature is going to do. Excuse me? Birthing person nature. I don't want to mispronoun Mother Nature. Now I'm fired. That whole thing. But stick with me again. Okay. What's happening right now is that we're bearing the brunt of policies we do not support. 
Okay, climate change, however popular with some factions of left-wing voters, and that's fine. It's America. Believe what you want. Okay, climate change has yet to be passed on its own in Washington, meaning the biggest funding bill in the history of the climate movement was called the Inflation Reduction Act. What a fraud! They took a popular issue, inflation reduction. We had hit the highest level of inflation in 40 years at the beginning of the Biden presidency. And because inflation had become a political liability, they didn't do anything to address it. But because they wanted to weaponize the problem, never let a good crisis go to waste, what did they do? They shoehorned $500 billion worth of climate spending under the guise of inflation reduction. That is financial lunacy. Why? Because people would vote for inflation reduction. You see, if we agreed with climate change, you wouldn't have to pass a climate change bill called inflation reduction. If I was running for president and I had a bill called free beer and strippers, do you know what I would call the bill? Are you ready for it? I'd call it free beer and strippers. You want to know why? Because people would support it. Correct the mundo. Okay, you don't have to give popular causes different names than their actual cause. Unless, of course, you're getting over on the American people, which is what the Democrats did. But to take it a step further, okay, in addition to getting that climate bill passed, they declared war on our fossil fuel industry. They sacrificed 10,000 jobs at the altar of environmental virtue signaling when they killed the Keystone Energy Pipeline. Flat out whacked it through an executive order when Biden got into office. Okay, that relinquished our energy independence which, by the way, was a big financial boost to places like Saudi Arabia and Russia, places we're supposed to consider the worst human beings on Earth, are now basically hitting the economic lottery, the fuel lottery, because we outsource domestic energy production to other parts of the world. Places like Venezuela, we always say we're protecting democracy, but Venezuela now makes more money when we outsource our energy production, and Venezuela is a dictatorship. And understand, in the process, we've made the planet filthier. America produces energy 42% cleaner than any other country we we import it from. You understand? So anybody else who's creating this energy is creating it filthier than we are. But then in order to get it back into our country, we need additional fuel just to get it here. Use your common sense. So you understand what happens is we create more pollution. We become a less robust economy. We prop up countries we consider to be dictatorships and pariah states, as Joe Biden famously described the Saudis. And in the process, the American people get screwed at the pump. Welcome to the Biden administration. Home to the new slogan, America last. Okay. The actual price of gas jumped four cents a gallon last week, according to AAA. Average national gas price is three seventy-three a gallon for regular, which is up twenty cents from last month entirely. Twenty cents. Okay, gasoline futures just rose to two ninety a gallon, highest since July of twenty twenty-two. So you understand the regular guy is getting drilled. The country is getting filthier, but this is a cause that they're wholeheartedly committed to because it appeals to people on the left, specifically younger voters who want to believe they're doing the right thing. I'm not telling you they're bad people. I'm not telling you you should, you know, they're not worthy of your friendship. 
Okay, I'm telling you what the Democrats appealed to is a self-righteousness, a moral superiority that makes people vote their way because they're being told that they're out there making a positive difference in the world. Wrong. Okay, think about it. When they told you to defund the police, the people who gravitated towards that genuinely thought the police were some type of an evil. Ergo, we owed it to the black community we care so much about to get rid of the cops to make them all safer. That was the sell. But the end result of declaring war on police and in some instances actually cutting police budgets in major municipalities like New York and Los Angeles is that we've emboldened criminals. We've created a society that has more empathy for the guy committing the violence than the victim of the violence. And we've seen the black murder rate rise by 30 percent in the aftermath of defunding the police. But what did all the people in office telling you to defund the police have in common? They all held on to police security themselves. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives. Dude, we're trying to save lives by defunding the police. Defunding the police would save lives the way defunding brakes would save cars. But do you understand there were people out there pushing to get rid of cops for you, knowing full well, as Cori Bush just said, suck it up, but I need private security. Look, if you hate cops just because they're cops... The next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. But it's no different than the climate movement. Okay, they're appealing to good people who want to believe they're making a positive difference in the world. Okay, but the actual policies are making the country less safe on the world stage. They're hurting us financially. And oh, by the way, they're not reducing pollution. Because not only are we increasing it by outsourcing our domestic energy production— But here's a question for you. What do the actual electric cars happen to run on when you stick them on the road? The answer, okay, is not wind or solar or dreams or tolerance or inclusion. Okay, they all run on fossil fuels. Take it a step further, as Daniel Turner will tell you in this hour. Okay, the minerals that are procured are procured in parts of the Congo that use slave labor. Okay, the green energy, the infrastructure for a lot of these vehicles are made in China, which again deploys slave labor. Okay, if you look up the United Nations Human Rights Report on the genocide of Muslim Uyghurs in the Hubei province of China, you walk away really depressed. Like a level of depression you don't normally experience unless you've watched three minutes of The View. The View is awful. But these days, if you really want depression, if you really want a dominatrix to call your names, put out a cigarette out on you and make you feel like hell, just pull up to your local gas station. Because we've now gotten to the place where the only thing higher than the gas prices are the people who think this climate stuff works in the first place.
so good people don't know what to think this feels weird are you sure this is legal i don't know it's fun though isn't it fox across america with jimmy Fallon. oh man i don't mean to kill the mood on fox across america but i am so sad to report that the late great Paul Rubens, the man who played Pee Wee Herman, a man who is immortalized on our soundboard every damn day, uh, Pee Wee has died. Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, uh, a man who starred in my favorite film of all time, has died at the age of 70. Uh, according to the New York Post, uh, I'm reading it to you directly while I'm also being texted by Francis, who is... Mark Holton played Francis in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the man who famously stole Pee-wee's bicycle, the man Pee-wee fought with the whole film. You can't just make up lies about people. Francis is Mark Holton, a great friend of our show, uh, a a near and dear friend. Uh, He actually called into our show on Friday when we were hosting from WHIO. He is going to react to the death of his dear friend, Paul Rubens, on this show uh, exclusively at 2.15 today, Eastern Standard Time. So in the next hour... Uh, Me and Francis Buxton, the most notorious bicycle thief in the world, are going to get together and have a chat about Pee Wee. Uh, But right now, obviously, we're sending our condolences and our well wishes and our prayers and any good vibe we can towards the family of Paul Rubens, who, again, was, I mean, pound for pound, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is not only a film, you know, that I love and we've immortalized on our soundboards on the show, but it's something that. Uh, we actually quote all the time at Fox. It's like this is like a revered film. Like so much so that we're always making references to it on The Five when I fill in. Like that's how I met Mark Holton. He heard me talking about him and Pee Wee on The Five. Me and Kennedy were talking about it. And then, of course, it's something that within the halls of our company, a lot of the executives who are of that era who came of age when Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Adventure was a thing will constantly walk around quoting the peewee vernacular. You know, you don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me, Dottie. I'm a loner, a rebel, you know, that whole thing. And so for me, this is a this is a heavy one, man. You report a lot of weird news on the air, a lot of sad news, a lot of tragic news, a lot of chaotic news. Uh, I, selfishly, for my own purposes, as a guy who ultimately wound up working in comedy, uh, Paul Rubens, 
was as instrumental in making me want to go in this direction with my life as anybody just because of how funny and ridiculous he was. And he was absolutely a guy who broke boundaries in the sense that he just didn't care. He made Pound for Pound one of the stupidest movies you've ever watched. But to make a movie that dumb, you have to be brilliant to pull it off. I think he's got a point. R.I.P. is the point. Paul Rubens, you will be missed. Heavy day on Fox Across America. We just reported the breaking news that the great Paul Rubens, the man who played the immortal Pee-wee in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. We quote quote Pee-wee on this show, I mean, religiously. I don't know that there's a film in my childhood that made me laugh harder. I would say Pee-wee and the Naked Gun. And Mark Holton, who's a dear friend of the show, is going to be calling in at the top of the next hour. He starred in both of those films. Uh, he was Francis Buxton, who stole Pee-wee's bike. Uh, he was also the man who identified Enrico Palazzo after he had saved the Queen of England's life in The Naked Gun. Uh, joining me now in the meantime, okay, Holton will be calling in at 2.15 Eastern time to react to the tragic passing of the late, great Paul Rubens. Uh, joining me in the meantime uh, is an energy expert, but no stranger to Pee-wee's big adventure himself. I am talking about the lovely and talented Daniel Turner. Hey, girl. It is great to be here. Can you believe the Clintons whacked Pee-wee? I know. I, I was going to say, was he testifying against Hunter Biden? Oh, or, no, Turner. Or, exactly. Paul or, Rubens wouldn't have minded the joke. He no, was a he beautiful, would've... brilliant, benevolent soul. Uh, and Pee-wee's big adventure, uh, pound for pound, like I laughed so hard at that movie. Yeah, what what year was that? Do you remember? Uh uh, 87. Let me get it right. The only reason 80. why I ask is because it was one of the first movies I remember my parents allowing me to go to with friends without supervision uh-huh. because they knew it was, you know, it was it was child appropriate, although it was it had some some double entendre like all good movies do. Oh, but there was But there was never any uh, concern that it was inappropriate. I think it was rated PG, actually. Uh, Pee-wee's um, Big Adventure. So it came out in 85. Wow. Pee-wee got his bike stolen by Francis Buxton. Francis Buxton, if you're listening, is going to be joining us at the top of the next hour to discuss the tragic passing of Paul Rubens. Apparently it was battling, uh, had a secret battle with cancer going on, and obviously we feel for his family and his fans, uh, although I don't know there's a bigger fan listening than me. Like, I'm no. holding it together. Yeah. That Pee-wee is, was my guy, you understand? Like, I... We play on this show so many drops, (laughs) and we're always quoting the movie constantly. You know, the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas, all that nonsense, you know, because it was so great. And Pee Wee, of course, was a bicycle enthusiast, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing to be right now because no one can afford gas under Joe Biden. (laughs) You know, it was was, was, admirable about Mr. Rubens, may he rest in peace, as you said, a a quiet battle with cancer. Reminds me a lot of Norm MacDonald. Yeah. These great uh, uh, comedic icons who don't feel the need to go on Twitter and advertise their health situation. And, And not to say those who do, I'm not judging you. But I'm saying it is still possible to suffer in silence and, and not put all of your, your health information out on the Internet for people to know. Well, you know what? There's a commonality in that. It's that people who generate laughter for a living um, are, are motivated or geared to want to brighten your day. Yeah. They true, don't want to be a source of negativity in your day. They don't want to be somebody who brings down the mood. So oftentimes they do kind of suffer in silence if for no other reason – 
that they've learned their value, their contribution to the world yeah. is, you know, the world's on fire. What yeah. the comedians of, of the world are doing are trying to roast marshmallows. Well, that's a wonderful way to put it, especially when you juxtapose that with so many celebrities who uh, will do a reality show about their ingrown toenail, right? Yeah. Like, and, and it's everyone has to be concerned Dude, and, and fundraisers. Think about this. Think about that. In an age uh, where Meghan Markle once broke down crying, in a village of landmine victims yeah. because a documentary filmmaker asked how she was doing. And she goes, I'm so glad you asked that because no one has asked how I'm doing. woman who was just getting an eight-handed massage who rode here in a royal motorcade surrounded by starving people who've been wounded by landmines wants everyone to walk a mile in their shoes, but they don't have any feet, so they can't. <laughs> And uh, But you think about the woe-is-me age of celebrity, of weaponized and championed victimhood, and this is a guy who's a comedy icon yeah. who is choosing instead to keep it to himself because he doesn't want the pity, but more importantly, he doesn't want to drag down the mood. Yeah. And I think there's a life lesson in the suffering of a guy like Paul Rubens and certainly Norm MacDonald, yeah. which is that you know we'd all be doing more help than harm. If we just tried to be agents of positive energy, there were a couple of those crossover from from uh, snippets, comedic snippets to uh, full fledged movies of the eighties, and I'm also thinking of Ernest Goes to Camp, yeah, right? Pee Wee's Big Adventure. These these little what what would consider be character characters yeah. on or on a show became full fledged movies, and it was a great genre, and it was great just comedic joy. There was no Can't moral ridiculous. of the story. There was no you know deep undercurrent about transsexual activism it was just you just laugh you just went to the movies and you laughed and Pee-wee I wasn't that. woke although peewee was at one point to get out of a traffic stop with the cops he does dress as a woman <laughs> so peewee might have been ahead of his time he got ahead he dylan mulvaney it he got ahead by dressing as a woman but did he identify as as one probably not he no just... i think peewee identified <laughs> as a badass yeah. and rightfully so took on a biker gang yep Got his bike back. He sang tequila and yeah. saved his own life. That's right. Got his bike back from Francis Buxton. Um, Holton. I know what you're doing this weekend. I have a f- or this weekend tonight. Tonight there'll if be I a can't, PV, PV if I marathon. Can't lure you to house. a drink after work. Oh, no promises there. I, uh, <laughs> otherwise, Holton. We'll... There's a lot. There's a lot going on. Uh, Mark Holton, who immortalized the character of Francis Buxton, will be joining us in the next hour to discuss the. The death of the great, late, great Paul Rubens, who is gone at the age of 70. Right now, I'm trying to make sense of it in real time with Daniel Turner, who tried to show up uh, and talk about the energy market, which, by the way, is probably more depressing than Paul Rubens to most of the country, (laughs) sadly. Yeah. Uh, But what are we – so this is the thing I wanted to discuss. Okay. We're reading reports that gas prices are going up. Yes. But at the same time, our strategic petroleum reserves – which are used for, like, war, Mm. natural disasters. They're at their lowest point since 1983 because one of the ways we actually lowered gas prices for a little while anyway was we flooded the market with fuel that was otherwise meant for something other than bad poll numbers for a president. So where we find ourselves today is rising prices, lower oil reserves. Is that where we're at? Absolutely. It's it's very well said. They increased the supply artificially because they took these reserves out, which are for strategic emergencies. Uh, emergencies like a natural disaster. Bush used the reserves after Hurricane Katrina because we lost a lot of refining capacity. Um, natural disasters, um, 
international disasters, war, uh, et cetera, or, of course, keeping the Senate for the Democrat Party. That was the other disaster that they used it for in 2022, and, and it worked. So they kept gas prices artificially lower than they would have been. But they're starting to rise again, and I'm not surprised because it's summer. Gas prices are always high in the summer. The Saudis are cutting production because they want oil back at $95, $100 a barrel. They do very well mm-hmm. when it's at that, at that price point. So they want numbers to go up. The only ones who are trying to stop it or the only ones who should be trying to stop it should be the United States and Canada. But they're led by – I wish they were led by Pee Wee Herman, a more serious <laughs> world leader. Pee Wee would have got it done. <laughs> yes. He, he found the bike – he determined that there was no basement in the Alamo. Okay, Pee Wee was, was a resourceful guy. He got stuff done. Yeah. No, yeah. not these guys. They no. would have just outsourced the bike finding to Venezuela. Their <laughs> dictatorship would have gotten more powerful. The Saudis would have wound up buying more golf leagues. You know, yeah. it's unbelievable. It really is, man. When you think of the world, it's almost like they're throwing the game right now in this country. Yeah. And I don't want to put that motive on them. So what is it really? Do they just truly not understand because when it comes to climate, something I said earlier, Daniel, Daniel Turner is in the house, by the way, if you're just joining us, is that a lot of the people who gravitate towards the climate movement want to feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. They want to feel like they're saving the world. Mm-hmm. But the way we're mining minerals for cars shouldn't make anybody feel good about anything, right? Yeah. No, I, I think the people who gravitate towards the climate movement see it as a means for control. Okay. Uh, quite frankly. Meaning the I, people I, at the top of it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it, the average person driving a Subaru with a, with a pierced nose lobe no. actually want to – some of them want to ruin you and me. I do agree with that, sure. political control. But I do believe there's a percentage of people that want something good for the world but have no idea that they're a part of what I consider to be like a ruse. Yeah, and it's, and it's a wonderful uh, pretext to accomplish this because you just say it's about the earth. Uh-huh. Who doesn't love the earth? Who doesn't love whales? Well, except, of course, the, the Biden administration as they keep killing them on the eastern seaboard. And I think one seems to wash up every two weeks. But who doesn't love the whales? Who doesn't love the rainforest? Who doesn't love clean air and clean water? And so it's a perfect uh, pretext to say, I'm only doing this because I care about the earth. But then when you look into it, like you said, well, if you care about the earth, why would you want to have all this heavy mineral and metal and rock mining? Uh, Uh Because we could we could forego that. Yes. And they say, well, okay. then they ask too many questions. And what's the response? Shut up and put on your mask. Well, you know, (laughs) that was the other crisis. That was I get my crises confused. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up and buy a car you can't afford. Exactly. It's so crazy. But, you know, when I think of, like, the reality is that the people this affects the most are also the people who don't necessarily support it. No. Meaning if you're putting gas in your car, it's because, you know, maybe you do support green energy and you can't afford a green car, you know. But the truth is even the cars aren't green. What are they being powered by? Can you explain this to the audience? Uh, Electricity and the majority of our electricity is powered by fossil fuels. So we're pushing everyone towards using more electricity and we're making electricity very expensive. Uh, Our local uh, uh, energy utility provider here in New York is Con Ed announced huge rate increases. So and all Con Ed listeners, congratulations. And I feel bad. I was talking to one of your colleagues in the green room just earlier today, and we were both agreeing Con Ed's not at fault. They, they are getting mm-hmm. screwed because the Biden administration is making it impossible for them to find electricity. Or in the case of New York, Cuomo shut down nuclear, Cuomo shut down coal. And now we don't have enough electricity. And so what happens? Prices go up. It's just the laws of economics. It's very simple. Yeah. No, this is bad because we're back to where we were a year ago where you go to the gas pump on the west side now. They don't even list prices. They just list the type of sex act you'll have to engage in. (laughs) 
<laughs> to afford a full tank of gas. Like, oh, you want 93 octane? Yeah. Oh, boy. Me, me behind the dumpster, playboy. There was a, uh, a, an old, if anyone goes to Pompeii, by the way, there's a, uh, an old brothel dating back from Roman times. And on the wall in, in frescoes are all the different sex acts in each room. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I went with my, my grandmother. was Italian. She took all the grandkids. And we would stand there and laugh like, I bet you my brother's in room six. No, man, you'd be in room three. <laughs> and we were, my grandmother was mortified. But anyway. A funny uh, joke. <laughs> that's where we are now. That's where we are with gas prices. Fill up on pump 19. <laughs> You're like, you mean pump 69? <laughs> like, oh, oh, gosh. No. Come oh, on, Biden. Boy. Your turn to get gas no way man i got gas last last time time. come on man it's we're not supposed to be living in this world america and we make crass jokes about it to bring attention to the fact that this is not benefiting anybody least of all the planet yeah my concern overall is that uh, as this administration continues to get legs and we're only halfway through what is considered normal keeps shifting and you could say if it's shifting left or right it doesn't matter but Oil at $80 a barrel like it is today is not normal. But as it was two weeks ago, $70 is not normal. Mm-hmm. right? But the normal is now, well, that's what it costs. Milk should not cost what it costs now. Yeah. Bread should not. And what is normal has shifted so much that people forget that it wasn't too long ago. You could go to a great steakhouse and not pay $95 for a filet. And that's what it is now. So people say, I'll get the chicken. Oh, good. <laughs> <It gets> them, <laughs> this is how they're getting us to stop eating red meat. It's just inflation. <laughs> they're going to inflate their way out. This. Either that or maybe the menu needs to have the same sex acts as the gas station. Yeah, well, about- <laughs> it's like, you, you want the hey, Tomahawk Porterhouse? Oh, boy. If I don't use my MasterCard. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. This is the world we're living in, Daniel Turner, and it's a world that does not include Paul Rubens anymore. I'm telling you, everything sucks under Joe Biden. You're genuinely sad, and I love that. And I think he would love that because it's nice to know that someone can have that effect on you. Dude, and that's wonderful. <laughs> see, it is. It's see, nice to know that people you're matter. You're not dead on the inside, Jimmy. No, it's All great. this time in showbiz, it's all great. it took was one bike-riding comedic hero. And you're in the showbiz world, so yep. I'm sure you can point to a lot of people who have inspired you since oh. you were a little kid, and that's great. I mean, that's yeah. – and, and I'm sure there's some 15-year-old listening to you right now who's also getting inspired. Yeah, oh, he's going to throw his life away, too. No, absolutely. <laughs> kid, you too can get paid in whippets <laughs> for five years of your life, and if you can survive that with your brain intact, they'll bump you up to beer. And if you can persevere through that, you might start getting paid. Then you can get a taxi medallion. Next thing you know, you got a taxi <laughs> medallion and then you keep doing sets in obscurity for another 10 years and then some kennedy producer finds you at a comedy club yeah. it's conventional kids i'm laying out an easy path <laughs> to multimedia stardom you just gotta follow my lead on this but one. look at where you are now nationally syndicated show oh, halfway working. decent crew behind the plexiglass there doing an okay job but you want to know something and i mean this i would give it all up to have peewee back in a second yeah God, I love you. Uh, Paul Rubens, a first ballot comedic Hall of Famer. Uh, we will mourn his loss with the great Mark Holton uh, at the tippy top of the next hour. In the meanwhile, we've got to mourn the fact that Daniel Turner's in studio. I can we love you, Daniel. Thank you. you. Stop it. It's you great being in studio. We have no, me and you have a great time. We do. Even in the wake of terrible stuff like this. But you know what it is? Joking about stuff gives you perspective. And this is what people forget, okay? When it comes to the, the energy market, There's a gallows humor aspect to this Mm -hmm. because regular people are getting annihilated. If you're a fixed income guy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
and gas is up a dollar or whatever the hell 20 cents in the last month is is right now but this is a lot higher than it was when he took office i mean when he took office gas was trending in the low twos was it not it was under two dollars a barrel for a while nationwide that was the average it was, it's remarkable to think about and now the average is probably around 360 i haven't seen the numbers and that's not but like i was saying that is now going to be the new normal yeah and when it gets to three dollars a gallon they're going to say look at that we've saved you 60 cents and that's what cracks me up when the administration when Corinne Jean-Pierre yeah. says, we are saving the average American 60 cents. It's like, well, you're just charging them 60 cents less, but they're still paying a dollar more than when you took office. No, don't get me wrong. You're paying more, <laughs> but you could be paying even more of the more. Exactly. Government so in math. our world, <laughs> it you're is. actually saving money. It's like when, when our little Cub Scout uh, uh, Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, says the way to get away from high gas prices is buy a $60,000 car. Yeah. And you say the way to save a few dollars a gallon, $60,000. And look, it, it pays for itself over the short <laughs> 35 years. It will pay for itself. Listen, if you don't have $3 for gas, you don't have $65,000 for a car. <laughs> This guy's struggling to get a date. Dude, you should ask out Megan Fox. Yeah, it's probably not an option. If the locals aren't saying yes, I don't know that she's leaving Machine Gun Kelly. But give it a go, Mayor Pete. I don't know what to tell you. Daniel Turner, you're the best. Thanks, Jimmy. Back after this. The critics have spoken. You do that again and I'll break every bone in your body. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon trying to hold this country together. And that job only getting harder with the news that Paul Rubens, the man who played Pee Wee Herman, seminal film of my youth, has died at the age of 70. Uh, We are going to be talking to his co-star, Mark Holton, who played Francis Buxton, the man who stole Pee Wee's bike. Uh, in the 1985 comedy classic, Holton, a damn good friend of the show who calls in from time to time, who we talk a lot off the air, is going to be chiming in uh, at the tippy top of the next hour uh, for a remembrance of the brilliant and benevolent Paul Rubens, who, again, has left us at the age of 70. Man, for selfish purposes, this one gets me. You know, we laugh a lot. This is a light show. We use comedy to grieve tragedy on this show. That's what comedy is for a lot of people. It's a coping mechanism. It's a way to not process hard news. By making fun of it, you take the power away from the things that torment you by learning to laugh at them. That's where the phrase gallows humor comes from. People that are actually getting tortured start telling jokes about the process because it takes the edge off a little bit. Well, we're certainly doing a little bit of that on that show today only because we lost Pee Wee. Uh, But we will bring him back via conversation with the great Mark Holton in the next hour. Uh, Man, Pee Wee, since this show launched, has been here for everything. I mean, going back to, like, the Mueller probe. Do you remember that? You can't just make up lies about people. Or when our government, our governor here in New York got fired for being a little too gropey. Remember Hansy Andy Cuomo? Andy! Andy! Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, back in action on a big Monday episode of Fox Across America doing the last hour of this show with a heavy heart. Uh, Paul Rubens, the man who iconically portrayed Pee Wee Herman on film and later in TV as well, has died at the age of 70. 
Uh, in this hour, we will be joined by Mark Holton, a damn good friend of the Fela family, uh, who is Pee-wee's co-star. He played Francis Buxton alongside of Paul Rubens. In the 1985 comedy classic, Holton, to this day, probably the most notorious bicycle thief in the world. Uh, And he is going to join us and try to make sense of this. Uh, Rubens, of course, was 70 years old. And his death, uh, announced by his reps, included a message written by Rubens himself that was, you know, his reps are basically ordered to share with the public after the fact. So I will read it to you here. If you want to weigh in in this hour, we will try to get to calls. Uh, but Mark Holton is going to have the floor. 888-788-9910. Here is Paul Rubin's statement. Uh, Please accept my apology for not going public with what I've been facing the last six years. I've always felt a huge amount of love and respect from my friends, fans, and supporters. I have loved you all so much and enjoyed making art for you. Uh, Those are the words of Paul Rubens, who is now dead at the age of 70 from cancer. Uh, Something Joe Biden claimed he had cured as recently as a week ago. Biden is such a disaster. But uh, sadly, that is not the case. Uh, For me personally, I will tell you that uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, if you've never seen it, it's, it's so ridiculously funny because it's preposterous. It's so beyond the point of sanity or anything you've ever seen like it in your life. It opens with a dream sequence where he's winning the Tour de France on his bicycle. And this is, you know, the Tour de France. This is before every, this is before everyone had a needle in their arms. It's a different depiction of the Tour de France. <laughs> but, but he's winning the Tour de France, and then he wakes up in his ab- absurd house with his contraption that makes his breakfast and his dog Speck and his giant utensils and his Mr. T cereal. Do you guys remember Mr. T who was, you know... Shut up, fool! (laughs) But it's one of those films that, like, really shaped my disposition. When I went to see it, I saw it at a United Artists Theater in Levittown with my mom, my dad, my brother Mike, my uncle Sonny, and his girlfriend Ronnie at the time... And, like, we laugh within an inch of our lives. It was one of those experiences you have early in life as a kid where you laugh so hard that it becomes something else. It's almost like threatening to your well-being. Have you ever seen a little kid laugh until their health is in danger because they're just, like, wailing away that hard? That was my reaction to Pee-wee's Big Adventure because it was just so stupid. And I loved it so much. And it's the only thing I could liken it to is when you're a little kid and you hear curses. And the first time you hear naughty word, like, you lose your mind. Like, I watched the movie Slapshot and was literally smacking the carpet in our den because I just couldn't handle the insanity of being around that level of debauchery. Well, in a lot of ways, that's what Pee-wee's Big Adventure was for me in 1985. I was a nine-year-old kid. And it's that type of experience that made me want to go into comedy, ultimately, is to give people that same type of escapism, those moments of pure bliss where you're immune from your problems and your torments and your bills and your relationship difficulties and the people you can't stand at work. You're just alone with joy. You know, and for me, that has always been the point of comedy is to be a force multiplier of joy, of positive energy. And films like that played such a seminal role in shaping who I am that I'm not like sitting here, you know, profoundly sad in this moment so much as I am thankful for guys like Paul Rubens who kind of pointed me in that direction. You know, so in this hour, we're going to bring on his co-star who I can only imagine is just going through unspeakable grief 
because they remained close long after the film uh, you know, was made and ultimately there was a sequel and there was a daytime TV show and Paul did so many great things along the way. He was getting ready to do or was in some part doing a viewing party with Pee Wee's Big Adventure when uh, the pandemic hit. Uh, we here at Fox, a lot of us were scheduled to go watch it because we just loved it that much. And on an executive level, like we talk about Pee Wee's Big Adventure so much here at Fox that we always play his clips on the show. We <laughs> The laughs, or remember after the media did an about face on Hunter Biden's laptop? Oh, <laughs> my mistake. There was a lot of that. There was always a presence on the show. There's no way you could listen to the show and not know that I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Well, perhaps the only thing I love more than the film is my man, Mark Holton, who's going to be joining us after this. We've become great friends, uh, mainly because of our love for the country. He listens to our show on KRMG down in Tulsa, and we became buddies, and he ultimately called into the show, but then more importantly started calling into my backyard when I was getting tanked on the weekends. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Well, it's a hell of a way to go through a conversation with Mark Holton, and Lord knows we've had plenty of them. Uh, We're going to have a difficult one after this on Fox Across America. He's the host you shouldn't get too close to. A lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the final hour of today's show with a heavy heart. The great Paul Rubens has left us at the age of 70. He catapulted the comedy superstardom with the 1985 comedy classic Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And joining us now is a man who took that rocket ride with him, a comedy star in his own right, a man with the highest security clearance in my private life, and a fan favorite on this show himself, Mark Holton, going through a lot, giving us a minute here on the show. Hey, man, I hope you're hanging in there, brother. Well... The last time uh, I got uh, in the hospital or whatever, I I was talking to Paul, and I said, man, I just can't give up the cigarettes. And he said, you're a baby. You're a big, fat baby. (laughs) Quit it. Get your shit together and just do it. So that's kind of the advice I uh, have rolling around in my mind right now. Talking Mm -hmm. to you, I'm going to try to get through this. as best as I can. So this there is you go. this is heavy, but you're tell you're telling me Paul Rubens was the type of friend who'd give you some tough love because he cared. Yes, he was. Yeah, a- um, I uh, I spoke to uh, well, I I heard from Paul. Mm-hmm. He has a little thing that he does, I guess, for other people too. But on my birthday, which was July nineteenth, so just. Not that many days ago. Oh, we didn't talk on your birthday, which, by the way, uh, I'm thankful for. You know how much I love you, and you know how much your friendship means to me. But our conversations <laughs> are normally bad. Like, I can't imagine when you're tuned up on your birthday where that thing would have... <laughs> we'd both be in a, on an... At the very least, we'd be on an FBI watch list, in addition to the ones we're currently on for being conservatives. So, happy birthday, uh, even if it is a little belated, and maybe that's a good thing. But take me back to your interaction with Paul. I apologize. Well, what he'd do is, um, in the morning, he would send you uh, 
of host. This mm-hmm. this year it was Muppets, <laughs> and it would be a funny moment from the Muppets. And then I knew better than to even comment, except for a, a thumbs up. Uh-huh. And then a few hours would go by, and you'd get another one. Uh-huh. And you never knew when the next one was coming, because he would never answer or reply to you. Mm-hmm. He was trying to build the suspense until the big payoff at the end. Uh-huh. So the whole day, <laughs> you're trying to get through your day on your birthday, and going, oh, my God, I, I bet I haven't heard from Paul. <laughs> and then bang it would just show up out of nowhere and of course you know that that just made it even funnier mm-hmm. so he would do things like that for people oh that's really and that's what he did for me and then last thursday i i sent him a text and i said you know you used to be very uh keen on the idea of doing a reunion mm-hmm. uh do you even entertain that anymore? Mm-hmm. And he never answered. Oh, that's a anyway. He- yeah, that's a heavy one. We're talking to Mark Holton, the most yeah. notorious bicycle thief in the history of the world. He portrayed Francis Buxton in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He and I are trying to make sense of the passing of Paul Rubens, who has gone way too soon at the age of 70. I mean, to be clear, that's 20 years sooner than most people consider running for president as a Democrat. So it's heavy. Uh, Can you give me some insight, Mark, uh, into the kind of guy he was? Because when I hear that he had cancer and really didn't make a public spectacle of that reality, uh, it speaks to me as something that motivates all comedians, which is the need to bring joy into the world, be a force multiplier of positive energy at a time when there's so much negative energy competing for your interests. Do you think the reason he kept this quiet is because of that ethos? Oh yeah, he he kept it kept kept it quiet for me right out to the end. Wow, you know, he um, that was a private thing for him or whatever. And uh, there's so many uh, things that he did for for kids with cancer mm-hmm. over the years that uh, nobody knew about because mm-hmm. he didn't. Talk about it. He didn't drag a camera crew in with him. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he was. Just yeah, a- he was a good man, and um, and he he genuinely loved children, <clears throat> and um, you know he uh, he had many generations of children mm-hmm. <laughs> to love him for uh, for the work that he did. Now, and he uh-huh. he would want a eulogy like the one you're giving him. Oh. Playing his uh, little hits and sound bites or the soundboard <laughs> or whatever, especially the one with the laughter. And, uh, as, a, as a selfish request, when we uh, when we conclude this, can we uh, can we just go out with that? Of course we can, Holton. Uh, anything okay. anything you want. You know, when we first met, uh, I told you that it's it's impossible for me to even quantify to you just how profound of an influence you and Paul were on my comedic development. I mean, the, the laughter, the sheer bliss, you know, the runaway lunacy of that film is what actually shaped me as a person who wanted to go into comedy because it was those isolated moments of pure joy. When you're laughing in that actual, like, rib-shaking manner that that film provided a whole generation of people, 
you're away from all of your torments and all of life's difficulties and any physical pain you might even be feeling, you know, is the fact that laughter is that type of an escapism. And, like, I can't thank you enough. I mean, I've thanked you in the past, but I, I, it'd be the only oh. conversation we ever had if I was being honest with you. Uh, although most uh. most of the people uh, <laughs> might be a little mad at you for driving me into comedy. I don't doubt there's a few million out there that feel the other way, but I kid. No, uh, no, no. Um, you mentioned earlier, I guess after the, the top of the hour, um, mm-hmm. uh, him, you know, doing the uh, – Coast to coast mm-hmm. anniversary yep. show and, and showing the uh, and showing it only in, in the in the finest theaters in the United States and mm-hmm. uh, he invited my wife and I down to Dallas and we hid in the audience and mm-hmm. uh, of course he spotlighted me without me knowing it and, <laughs> uh, and yeah and uh, and and they gave me a standing ovation and he said okay that's enough get off sit down Mark. Now you know what it's like to be like to be me every day of the day, week. <laughs> and uh, but something happened to me uh, in the lobby. Uh-huh. I had this big, big guy, mm-hmm. big, probably taller than your son, mm-hmm. with graying hair <laughs> in a nice suit jacket. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of parted his, you know, snakes his way through the crowd. And I saw him coming. He was just transfixed on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came up and he said, "Can I have a hug?" Yeah, and uh, he held me, and then uh, he just uh, said in my ear, "You were part of my childhood," and uh, that's when I really realized how powerful that film really was. And uh, it was, uh, I had to go outside and, you know, get my shit together then, just like I'm trying to keep my shit together right now, man. Listen, I get it. And you're a hero for even doing this. Uh, We're talking to Mark Holton, co-star of the late, great Paul Rubens and the iconic film Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, Holton, man, you know I love you, buddy. And I always talk to you offline and you send me wacky texts. And once in a while, when I'm tuned up in the backyard... We'll get on the phone. Sometimes I'm a little tu- tuned up, and we have to call in Jenny Fahler from the bullpen. <laughs> but, I, think what I, was, I was thinking about that. You mentioned that the other day, and one of the things that cracked me up the most about our last conversation mm-hmm. in the backyard was, I'm trying to eat my way to a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> every, every artist has a process, Holton, okay? Oh, yeah. I like to smoke cigars when I'm so full. I'm like a French king. You know what I mean? I'm just on to indulgences. I noticed you were knocking out, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Look, crunch, crunch, crunch. Uh, (laughs) uh, That's fine. I should have had a bag of chips with me, I guess. I don't know. Next time. Well, there's certainly going to be a phone call to come after this. Um, Really quickly, can you give us some insight, okay? In 1985, you're on a film set making... This ridiculous movie. I mean, a movie that is revered the world over. And I'm not kidding. Like, when I tell you that I am in the highest level of executive meeting in my showbiz career and people are constantly making Pee-wee references because it's just that beloved of a film for people who came of age in that era. Okay. Yeah. Can you give us a sense of what it was like to be on there? Like, it was, is it, was it serious? Was it goofy? Was it 
off camera, the way it looked on camera. What was the vibe of that film? Because I'd just love to know what kind of vibe you need to capture to make a film that good. Well, um, it was very easy. Mm-hmm. The atmosphere made it very easy for me. Uh, Paul and I hit it off right off the bat mm-hmm. in the audition. I didn't know I was reading with Paul. I'm going, oh, okay, here we go. But uh, well, we, I had no idea what, we're, what we were going to produce there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at uh, his career and you look at uh, the director's career. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, astronomical uh, yep. stardom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know for, for decades, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, that people were. Um, you know, mm-hmm. how much they cared. And when I finally found out that night in Dallas, I, Paul had encouraged me to start doing, uh, <clears throat> going to... Um, conventions and stuff? Conventions, yeah, p- uh, personal appearances or whatever. And uh, and then, you know, it's, it started out and went, man, well, what was I waiting on? Mm-hmm. What was I waiting on? You know, this, this, this feeds my soul, yeah. And uh, so anyway. Well, you have fed plenty of souls, uh, and you need to know that, man, uh, in your entire film career, not just Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but certainly The Naked Gun and, gosh, Teen Wolf. We could talk for hours. I don't know what shape, kind of shape you're going to be in after the commercial break, but I'll talk to you off the air. Uh, if this is all we have, just thank you on behalf of the millions of people who listen to this show, Mark Holton. You're a legend uh, right alongside your pal, Paul Rubens. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you giving our listeners a few minutes during what has to be an impossibly difficult time. Only for you. Oh, Mark Holton. Big radio hug heading your way. I love you, brother. Hang in there, and we'll talk soon. There it is, Fox Across America, with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, sending this out to my man, Mark Holton. <laughs> Folks, there is no quantifying how much I loved the film Pee-wee's Big Adventure and just how ridiculous it is, the campy nature of the whole thing. When him and Simone are in the dinosaur and all of a sudden they get found by her boyfriend, Andy. Andy! I mean, we have never at Fox News heard the word Andy ever. Like, you could be talking to people who run this company in conversation. And if someone said the word Andy, we'd go, Andy! (laughs) We love that film! So RIP to the great Paul Rubens. And a big fat radio hug to the legendary Mark Holton as well, who has become a dear friend of the Fala family. And is a guy who... It's silly that he listens to my radio show and has become a friend and, you know, a supporter because, I, again, I grew up watching him. In, I mean, I, in Teen Wolf. Shoot it, fat boy. I mean, that is a film I've watched. That is a line I've quoted probably a million times. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about the naked gun, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. That's Mark Holden, the guy we were just talking to on the show who was gracious enough to give us a few seconds of his time. 
Friday time when he's going through a hell of a whole lot, and I don't doubt he's got every media outlet on the planet reaching out to him uh, to get some type of a pull quote regarding Paul Rubens, who left us at the age of 70. Uh, We sadly can confirm that news. The reason you hear so much comedy on this show, song parodies, drops, stupid bits, and things of that nature, is because politics has a way of making you feel awful. That's kind of how they go about getting votes in this day and age. Everything sucks. It's their fault. You know what I mean? It'll suck more if you don't elect us. You know, that's so much of our life focuses on grievance now. So much of social media has created a world of weaponized outrage where we just get out of bed with a bad guy in mind every day. You know, we got to get we got to cancel this guy. Do you know the guy? No. Were you at the comedy show where he told? No. But we got to cancel him anyway because he said bad things. I'm just, No, get him out. Get, what the hell is the world coming to? And it's, and it's so toxic that a lot of times you just need an escape from that type of vibe. That's why I got into comedy is I didn't want to be around that vibe. But the reason this show sounds like we get paid in Tide Pods and cheap tequila is because we don't want you to be around that vibe either. The yield on negative energy is zero. And the reason Pee-wee's Big Adventure was such a force multiplier of excellence is because it is just shooting positive energy into your face out of a fire hose. Uh, and joining us now, knows a guy is a lot knows a lot about drinking out of the fire hose. Uh, he is a superstar media reporter, a Fox News contributor. Joe Concha is here. Yo, man. I hosted people at the house yesterday, and I'm feeling it today. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so you're telling me it wasn't water coming out of the fire hose? It was tequila, Casamigos, and some sort of very, really good mixer that hid the tequila taste completely. Wow. So I went from, hey, I don't feel anything, to... I woke up in my neighbor's house, and they were just yelling at me. <laughs> so uh, just a regular day of the week for you. Yeah, something like that. But I, I, I heard what you were saying about Paul Rubens, and his life is really incredible. But are you worried that the first thing that comes to mind is that he was caught pleasuring himself in a movie theater? I mean, the, when people hear that, the first thing they think of is Jeffrey Tubin. Yes. I think today's a legacy day. I think it's one of those days where uh, – you know, it's one it's one of those days where your body of work is bigger than your individual indiscretions, you know, but I get why you'd make the reference. And, you know, the truth is, you know, uh, for a lot of people, 85, you know, is the real sweet spot of like so many great American comedies. You know, Teen Wolf comes out in that same realm and it all builds from my money up to the naked gun with Leslie Nielsen, which is just yeah, greatest thing ever. Uh, but Mark Holton was just on the show. He famously played Francis Buxton, who most notorious bicycle thief in, in the world. And he was just telling me, Concha, that Paul kept his cancer a secret from the cast until the end, probably because he was the kind of guy who didn't want to drag the mood down. You know what I'm saying? See, that's what you want to remember him for, right? I mean, yes. Being unselfish completely. Uh, I learned so many things about him. I've been reading his, his obituaries, and uh, it, it's a really amazing that he actually did get a star on the Hollywood Hawk of Fame, you mm-hmm. know, in, in 88. So that's how big he was, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a one-movie no. thing. I mean, he was like Max Headroom kind of big. Does that make sense? Yes, he was. Listen, Pee-wee's Playhouse was a huge, huge, huge daytime TV show for kids. And uh, Holton was just telling us that Paul Rubens was a guy who quietly uh, – 
did a ton of under-the-radar charity work for sick kids and wasn't doing it for the clicks or the PR. He was doing it under the radar, you know, and that's the kind of, like, commendable use of celebrity that we need more of because I think nowadays there's less of an appetite to help than there is to pretend you yourself are a victim. It's like when you hear something like Paul Rubens is doing anonymous work for sick kids and you juxtapose that against Meghan Markle being surrounded by kids who were hit by landmines and wanting (laughs) your sympathy, you realize we've lost our compass as a society. You know what I'm saying? I think Larry David addressed this on one episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. He is convinced to commit $20 to uh, charity, Mm -hmm. right? And. They, they say, well, do you want to do it? You know, you want to put your name to it? You want to do it anonymously? And, and the guy running it says, you know, it's better if you do it anonymously. That, that's really just the ultimate act of mm-hmm. unselfishness and caring when you don't make it about yourself. And then Larry's like, yeah, okay. He, he agrees to it, right? Then Ted Danson mm-hmm. ends up donating $40,000 and, like, sponsors the thing, like, under his name, like the Ted Danson Foundation. Uh-huh. So everybody's like, Larry, how could you not donate to this great cause? Because he swore he would keep it anonymous, like he yep. would never say that he did. <laughs> so that, that's that's kind of like what we're seeing with with uh, Paul Rubens. I mean, yeah. to, to do this, you could get some good PR for yourself, I'm sure, mm-hmm. right? And instead he decided not to. I mean, I, I, I yeah. didn't know him. I don't know if you yeah. knew him from the comedy circuit at all, but mm-hmm. uh, he, he was he was the Penguin's father in Batman Returns. That was something else I just read that I did not know. No, Pee Wee was uh, Paul Rubens. That movie is so stupid, which you have to be smart to write a stupid movie. It's like slapstick, you know? That's good point. And uh, I, the the level of showbiz meeting that I've heard that film quoted in, I mean, the, the, me, the you know, uh, man, I, I don't even know how to quantify this for people on the outside of this. But when you get in, you know, you get into showbiz uh, or any type of entertainment, whether it's news or comedy or screenwriting, I have I have heard Pee Wee quoted in cable news boardrooms, in Hollywood boardrooms, um, working in sports, working as a boxing ring announcer, certainly in... Did you know that? Did I ever tell you that story? Like, when I was driving a cab, I I was doing some ring announcing. Did we ever have this conversation? All right, well, do you remember the late, great Burt Sugar? Yeah, who sure. was I boxing historian. Sure. Okay, there you go, on ESPN, and he'd wear the fedora, and he'd chomp on a cigar. Yeah. We used to do this thing at B.B. King's. Um, it was a white-collar boxing event, and essentially they were pro fights that were sponsored by Wall Street firms. But because the people patronizing these fights weren't traditional boxing fans, and B.B. King's is a smaller venue— they wanted to bring in like a silly play-by-play guy to kind of cartoon the carnage to take the edge off of what we were watching. So Burt Sugar would be the name, you know, that they brought down to kind of announce the fighters. And uh, as the night went on and it became a little more challenging for him to get into the ring, you know, he was an older gentleman. It had nothing to do with his co-host, John Walker. Uh, (laughs) I would take over and get to do funny play-by-play. And I met a lot of people, but was what was crazy is I used to quote Pee Wee when I when fighters didn't have an intro. I'd be like, "You don't want to get mixed up in the ring with a guy like this. He's a loner, a rebel, you know." And the crowd got that it was Pee Wee's big adventure, and they would just laugh, you know. And uh, that was always the hook of that movie is like people who gravitated towards it were just positive energy people, and they loved ridiculousness. And wouldn't you say, Joe Concha, like? We're now living in a world where the straight news is more ridiculous than the people trying to be funny. I couldn't <laughs> say that better myself. It's so true. Uh-huh. I, I mean, you see some of these stories out there, and you you really have to double check. Like, is that the Babylon Bee? Is that is that the Onion? No, it's actually real, right? Mm-hmm. And 
I, I just sit back and I say, at some point, you know, how do we all just not lose our collective minds? Mm-hmm. You know, because we've already lost shame. It's the death of shame. As yeah, say, Jimmy. as yeah. Jimmy Fail likes to say. <laughs> um, what's your McCullough? Joe Concha on the line, if you're just joining us. We are um, talking about the tragic passing of Paul Rubens, who was 70 years old. Uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, a seminal film from my youth. Uh, His bicycle was stolen by Francis Buxton, Mark Holton, who had just been with us moments earlier. He was nice enough to give a minute of his time. Can you give us a sense? Because I'll talk to Holton offline earlier, uh, Mm -hmm. later. I I know him well, and he's a, a fan of the show. He listens on KRMG down in Tulsa. Can you give me a sense, uh, before I get on the phone with Holton later, to what it's like to be him in a moment like this? Meaning if you're the co-star in an iconic film and your star buddy dies, how intrusive is the media on a guy like Holton right now? I think we've seen this play out before when, oh boy, uh, it was, mm, help me out here, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name already. He, mm-hmm. He's from... Um, Tony the, Bennett or somebody? No, or, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh boy. I'm choking on national radio right now. No, you're now. not. Just just tell me what it's like no matter who it is. I mean, what's it like for Holton? David Spade and... Oh, Norm MacDonald. Uh, no, the the fat guy. Uh, Chris Farley. Chris Farley, yeah. Yeah. So when Farley passed, I mean, they he and Spade did a lot of movies together. Yes. And he, you know, kept getting asked questions and everything. He tried to be as, you know, classy about it as possible. But after a while, you just want to mourn in peace, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that's that may be hard, but maybe people won't make the connection as much here because Paul Rubens hasn't been on the radar radar for, for some time now. Yeah, well, I will tell you this, Joe Concha. He never left the radar on Fox Across America. Nice. And millions of Americans around the world. And, and to be clear, not even just Americans. That film was like a big deal. Do you he, realize that it was 87% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. That's a high number. You get around 90. Yeah. That's a hard thing to get to. No, people get it, man, because it's stupid. It's like a, it's a silly, stupid, ridiculous movie. Like he goes to see a fortune teller to find out where his bicycle is, <laughs> and she's obviously making it up. And she know he's like, "Where's my bike?" And she sees an Alamo moving truck drive by, and the psychic is like, "It's in the Alamo, oh. <laughs> in the basement." And he's like, "Alamo!" And the whole movie becomes an exercise in getting to the Alamo. That's and he, what, yeah. yeah, and, and uh, that's great. That's what bothers me about the the Oscars. Mm-hmm. We can never, ever, ever award somebody for a performance in a comedy because mm-hmm. comedy is much harder to do than going the full retard. Oh, yeah. or, or you know, right? I, I, mean, that's... I always say, I laugh like when the news gets serious and I'm on a show. You've heard me say this because you know sometimes a producer will be like, "Are you sure you're okay? This story is a little serious," and I'll be like, "Dude, all you're telling me is I only have to do half my job." Right. You know, normally I'm brought in to make a good point and be funny. If you're telling me not to tell any jokes because the story's serious, then I basically should be wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I've got a half a day. That happened you know? to us, right? Mm-hmm. It was right around Christmas. We were on a heavy episode of The Five. The Five! We're, yes. And, and we got the rundown, which means, like, right, here's what the show's going to be. Like, this is going to be an awesome show. It was so light, you know? And it yeah. was me, you, and Katie, and Kennedy. Christmas like, week, yeah. Fun. Yeah. So you're, you're going to have those kind of shows. Mm-hmm. And then there was the arrest of the killer in Idaho. Mm-hmm. And the whole show was dedicated to that. We yeah. couldn't even smile in the beginning. You yeah, know? Because it was how heavy. How do you smile? It's heavy. But I can tell you, like, in those moments, you go from playing a zone to playing man to man you know normally we're playing a zone meaning there's a story 
and anything that appeals to us, whether it's a joke about the story, whether it's a salient point about the story, whether it's a, a reference to how other people in the media are covering the story, you're playing a zone. But when something tragic happens and you're on the air, you're playing man-to-man. It's a just-the-facts, straightforward mentality yeah. that I think, um, you know, to be honest with you, I find that easier to do than anything because it uses less of your brain because your own self-preservation instincts kick in. You're like, okay, we're going to shut off the guy who writes jokes. We're going to give him a timeout because uh, we'd like to be employed at the end of this break. Uh, and Joe Concha, I can proudly say that as of this moment, uh, as we head to commercial break, we're still employed, both of us, by somebody. Who saw that coming? <laughs> right. Be well. I'll see you. I'll see you soon, brother. All right, man. There he goes. The great Joe Concha. There we go. Back after this. A show that's taking orders from the big man upstairs. We're on a mission from God. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth on Fox. Across America. Hey, girl. Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing on the radio. Uh, as of now, I am off from TV tonight. I may get called on to some shows to talk about the late, great Paul Rubens. I don't know what direction that's going to go in, but my immediate plan is to track down my man, Mark Holton, who can use some cheering up right now. <laughs> tomorrow, uh, you will see me on Fox and Friends in the morning, uh, scheduled to be on Gutfeld tomorrow night. Uh, Wednesday, I'm also scheduled to be outdoors on Fox and Friends. Thursday, you'll see me on Fox and Friends first. Thursday night, I am on a live audience edition of the Sean Hannity Show. Friday, uh, I will be on with Laura Ingram in the 7 p.m. hour. And there's also some Fox business stuff going down in the meantime. Uh, But right now, we need to do a little more radio uh, and get out of here when we hear the dinner bell. Uh, Here's the deal, man. If you listen to the show every day, you know it's kind of a lighthearted show. And the reason it's a lighthearted show is I tell you this all the time. Okay, if you die tomorrow, you're going to wish you had more fun. We're all in the fun business. doesn't matter what your job description is. It could be a dog groomer. Okay, you could be a male dancer. doesn't matter. I don't care. It doesn't matter what you do. Okay, if you die tomorrow, you're going to wish you had more fun and that you spent last time fighting about politics, tweeting snarky things about people who don't agree with you. What you're going to wish is that you went out and had a good time. I always say we're getting paid in fun on this show. So if you watched Pee-wee's Big Adventure, you didn't watch Pee-wee's Adventure. It's irrelevant to me. The point is you all have your own Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You all have your opportunity for escapism at your disposal every day of the week. And I can tell you this. Uh, I've been working in the entertainment business for like 20 years. And it wasn't until like I got this show and started to be all over TV that I like was like, wow, it's kind of working out. This is really crazy. But I didn't know it took 20 years for it to work because I was too busy having fun along the way. Like when I got here and things started happening and the arena started filling up, I looked back at the past 20 years and was like, what the f- was I thinking? Oh, my goodness. But as it turns out, what I was thinking was, let's go have some damn fun. Too many people measure life by career success instead of happiness. And that's what I learned from films like Pee-wee's Big Adventure is Pee-wee's Big Adventure won't get you a promotion. I mean, it might. If you can quote it in board meetings around here, it might because they really love it that much. (laughs) Some of the places I hang out, it might get you a promotion. But the point is they didn't make that film to help you in a meeting 20 years down the line as it wound up doing for me. Uh, They made that film because they were merchants of happiness. 
and they wanted to give the world an hour and a half of sheer joy and escapism. And it's the kind of thing you're supposed to be pursuing every day because here's a newsflash. It doesn't cost anything. Okay, all of the things we define success by in this country are oftentimes completely juxtaposed from what actual personal emotional success would constitute, which is just having a good time, not worried about what other people think, not caring who got more likes or tweets on Twitter, not comparing your career to anybody else's in the office, but just you know comparing the joy you feel today to the joy you felt yesterday, the good time you'll have tomorrow to the good time you had the next day. Just go out and have fun, man. That's the whole point of the show, okay? Even on a day like today where you lose somebody like Pee Wee who was just the best there ever was. I mean, in all honesty, I want to believe this is a typo. I know it's not. But even God himself wishes it was because Paul Rubens was an all-time legend. And I'm sure if he had it to do over, even God would say, Oh, <laughs> my mistake. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.